I'm not training the MMA fighters here. I'm training people to defend themselves in the normality of society. You know, I'm just trying to, just to get them ready that this could happen. This is kind of what you need to do. That's my mindset on it. Welcome to the Passion to Brand podcast, where we have real conversations with real people who have turned their passions to digital brands. I'm Brett. And I'm Logan. On today's episode, how Earl Dunn turned his passion for jujitsu into the well-known digital brand Alpha Omega Jiu-Jitsu. I remember being a kid about eight or nine years old. One summer, my parents decided to put me and my brother through a Taekwondo program. Week in and week out, we would go to the studio, get trained, and feel so much stronger on the other side. I remember leaving there feeling like we had just special powers to take on the world. When Logan and I sat down with Earl for the first time several months ago and heard his story, I was immediately reminded of this memory. Earl cares about humanity very deeply and truly wants people to feel empowered through his trainings. It was so cool to see how his passion has evolved from when he grew up to now owning his own studio and reaching millions of people through the digital world. Grew up here in East Tennessee, Knoxville area. And um, I grew up in uh, kind of a large family. It was just me and my brother, but my dad had a lot of brothers. And mm-hmm. so I had a lot of cousins. And they would always have us competing in things, you know? I mean, ever since I can remember being five-year-old, my dad would almost pit fight me with my cousins, you know? <laughs> I'm serious. My, my one cousin, I mean, he would scratch me. I, I remember having scratches all over my face, my back everything he would just get in so many fights and i guess what it was is his brother they would just want to see who had the toughest kid and and all of his brothers had kids about the same age and then their second kid was about the same age and their third kids was about the same age so everybody had uh, their same age to fight you know and even even growing up they would at easter we all got together or christmas and they would put money in a pot and make us fight or make one, you know, two of them fight and whoever won got to, got to have all the money. Oh, wow. and, yeah. And so they would just, they would just pit fight us. I mean, it was crazy. So <laughs> oh gosh. But then they would also talk about all the fights they got in growing up. If it was uh, schoolyard fights or if it was even after they got married, I think my last, my dad's last fight was 42 year old. He was in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, him and my mom. Wow. And some guys were tailgating him and, and they got mad at him for pulling out in front of them. And so anyway, he ended up getting out of the truck and taking on three of them. I think he said he hit one of them and then that was all it took. They didn't want any more after that. Oh my gosh. Yeah, they were a little terrified. They're like, no, we're good. good. (laughs) So fighting's always been, it's always been there. Always intrigued by it. And so, and that's kind of what it was. Me and my brother and I had a best friend that we were all three and just kind of competing with each Mm other. When we moved out around 19, 20 year old, it was like we everything we did was a competition. If it was wall climbing, bike, bike riding, if it was chess, if it was uh, whatever it was, we always were trying to be the best at whatever. You know, if it's playing music, you know, we, yeah. I, I can play a banjo. So I made sure that I could play the banjo the best. And But anyway. So that's what you of, get when you grow up with, with brothers. You just get that competitive uh, competitive spirit. Yeah. And it was, it was so bad, though. I think it's the way my uncles made it, I think it's just – it was damaging, you know, yeah, it's almost, yeah. it was almost too bad, you know, I guess growing up in that atmosphere, was that something that like, were you thinking when you grow up, like, were, were you wanting to be, you know, do something related to, to, to fighting? I mean, what was there um, like inspiration there from that? 
the only inspiration that I got was, was from my dad, I guess my dad was, he was just backyard tough, I guess. And mm-hmm. they would talk about him. The, the only martial arts that you could take at the time was maybe, you know, karate, judo, taekwondo, something like that. Mm-hmm. And, but dad would, he whipped all those guys. It, it was like, you know, the stories I heard, you know, karate master that he, this person was supposed to be, but my dad, you know, cause he was just so tough. So mm-hmm. I just thought he just had to be just tough. I, I didn't, I didn't really know there's a technique to fighting, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. you know, there is, there is a technique. There's a technique yeah. to stay in the ground, everything. So, yeah. So there, there, you know, I wasn't pushed to do much of stepping outside the box until I met my wife. And then, you know, when we were friends, she really pushed me to do things. And when was that? When did you meet to meet your wife? We met first time in probably around 1997. Okay. She'd come to church. She went to college at UT and her and some of her friends came to my uh, church that I was attending. And that's how we become to know each other and become friends. Oh, and nice. uh, she heard some of my dreams and what I wanted to do. But, you know, if it wasn't for her, I don't think I would have been pushed to do some of the things that I've done. You know, what, what was cool. it like? Yeah. What was it that made what type well, of inspiration yeah. does she bring? Well, it was like, like I never figured that I could do something, I guess. See, also on the flip end of having uncles and, and a dad like I had, they also is almost like you you weren't ever good enough to like you couldn't do it's almost like you couldn't do it any better than they did it. So you might as well not even try, you know, it's mm. something it, it's kind of that kind of mentality I had. It was almost like I don't know what happened, but it was almost like my dad might have shut down my drive to do anything except for work for him. Because mm-hmm. I worked film and excavating, and that's all I ever did. Mm-hmm. And so, as any dream I had, my dad was like, "You just need to work with me. This is what you need to do. This is what you need to do." And it wasn't what I wanted to do. It's just something that was there. And so, yeah. So in in 1997, I think it was, is I've been in church my whole life. My mom had us in church since I was, you know, could remember. My dad didn't get saved. He was 45 year old. So he was, it was about 1995 when he got saved. So in 1997 is when I think that's when I really got saved because there was a change. It was a difference in my mentality, Mm. what I wanted. And so instead of looking at, you know, trying to be the meanest or the redneckest or whatever, you know, that my dad had us believing we had to be, I started wanting to be, you know, a man of God or you know, preacher, teacher, I wanted to teach the Bible and share, share the Bible with others. And so, yeah. yeah so, you know, I, I loved Adrian Rogers. That was a big preacher at the time. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, Bible college is what some of those big preachers went to. And so I had a desire to go, but I would have never went, but my, when, in 97, my wife come to the, or it's just a, she's just a friend at the time, come to the church and when she heard that I wanted to go to Bible college, she didn't let me forget it. Mm. Why don't you do it? And I'd say, no, I'm too old. Why don't you do it? No, I, my dad needs me. Why don't you do it? You know, I always had an excuse. And then she even helped me fill out the paperwork. <laughs> yeah. And I did not think that I could do that. That's awesome. Yeah. I love, yeah. love, love hearing that. And too, I'm sure, you know, seeing your dad change from, you know, the years obviously that you, you knew him before you, you know, he met the Lord. I'm sure there was a change that you were probably curious about as well. It was like, dad's changed. I wonder what this experience is like. And I wonder what it would look like, you know, if I were to press into it. And that's so cool to hear that your wife, you know, continued to inspire you and to, to pursue that dream. Cause I'm sure she saw 
a new Earl and saw Earl like with a, a dreaming Earl of like, you yeah. know, what would it look like if I were to pursue Bible college? So is that, in, is that what you ended up doing was, was going to Bible college? I did. Yeah. Were you wanting, like, was the goal, like going to Bible college, was that to be a pastor or what were you wanting, wanting to you do know, with a degree? Well, my dad ingrained in me so much to work for him for the rest of my life. Okay. So all my dreams were almost like if I wanted to do anything, it was not because all I was going to do is in excavating what he did. So I was, I was kind of scared that to say that I was going to college to be a pastor or a preacher, because I, I, I really thought if I didn't make it, then everybody would say, everybody would laugh and say, yeah, he, you know, he, he kept saying he's going to be a preacher. Now look at him, you know, that's all. Cause well, I grew up, man, people made fun of people. I guess that's everywhere, but you know, it's, it's like, that's all I hear, you know, yeah. making yeah. fun of you doing this, making fun of you doing that. And so that's, that's what killed my drive too a lot, mm-hmm. you know, having, having guys around that, you know, there is a point that you just need to get out and be by, you know, do your own thing, but they would shut you down because you'd try to do something and they'd make fun of you or whatever. And you know what I mean? It's, yeah. 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 And, and I can speak to that too, Earl. I mean, just from being a guy, like, we, yeah, it's just in us. Like we want, we want to succeed and we want, you know, we, we want to impress. Like it's, it's one of those things, especially in when you're the, the environment that you grew up with, like wanting to be the best and, and having that competitive spirit. It's like that fear of like taking a risky move. Like maybe it was, you know, going to Bible college of, of, am I going to be successful and what does success look like? And maybe success doesn't look the same for your friends and your family. It can be, it can be scary. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh Yeah. Yeah. And I was just afraid I was going to fail. So I was kind of afraid to say, yeah, I'm going to be a pastor. I'm going to be a preacher because if I failed, everybody would laugh. So I just said, you know, I'm going to Bible college, see what happens. But in my mind, that's what I wanted to do. If I pastored, I wanted a degree showing that I went and got my degree, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So did you know being a pastor, did you graduate with your, your degree and become a pastor? Oh yeah. I've been, I was a pastor in Knoxville for nine years and, and then we moved up here to outside of Kingsport and I've been pastoring up here for three years now. Wow. So, yeah, I bet so, that's been amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. It, it really, you know, even though in 97, I got saved probably, you know, three or four years later, I wanted to uh, expand my knowledge. I re- you know, like I said, I wanted to be the best at whatever it was I was doing, you mm-hmm. know? So at this time, I'm preaching now or I'm speaking now. I want to know the Bible. So after about three or four years underneath my Sunday school teacher, I just felt like I needed more schooling or whatever. And so what was cool about it is, is I did excavating. So I dug swimming pools. And so I was digging swimming pools. I was digging a swimming pool for this boy's home and it was all boys. And so I asked the guy, I said, what is this place? And he said, this is the boy's dormitory for Crown College, which is a uh, Bible college. And I was like, really, a Bible college here next to Knoxville? Because I thought I'd have to move away, and there's no way I was going to leave my dad, you know? Yeah. yeah. And so they was like, yeah. And they said, well, they have a Monday night school of the Bible. You could probably look up to, and go to it. So in 2000 or 2000, I think it was in 2000, I started a Monday night school of the Bible here at Crown College that the Temple Baptist Church was actually offering at that time. And I knew right then so there they were three teachers that taught it. And one was so good. He was unbelievable that I didn't care what I had to do, but I wanted to do what he did. He was just wow. that. Good. And so I didn't go back to the second semester of it. I joined the college the, the very next year of it. Cause uh, I just, Oh, nice. 
yeah, I just, I just wanted to do what he did. And it, it was a full-time college. Here I am 28 year old at this time, mm-hmm. 28. And then, you know, at the busiest time of my dad's excavating business. And here I'm leaving all day long to go yeah. to college. And I would have sometimes, I, you know, it was a suit and tie wearing kind of college. And a lot of times I would drive my big dump truck and my bobcat to school in a nice. suit and, and I'd get out, you know, and I'd have to go straight to do a job after that. So I'd have to get ready. And, and so I could only work two or three hours, three or four hours a day. And then, but one thing is that my dad, what was neat about it is a lot of people owed him money from jobs. And so they weren't going to pay him. And he said, if you can go collect this, you can have it to pay your tuition, you know? Uh, and, yeah. Oh, wow. I'd show up at people's house at eight or nine o'clock at night, knocking on the door. Hey, I'm with Earl Dunn excavating. This is your bill. We need to get paid, you know? <laughs> and, yeah. And they're like collections. You're like, who are they? Like, who are you? The IRS? But when do you want me to come back? I'm coming back, you know? <laughs> uh, and he'd give me all that money and that. And a lot of times that's how I paid my tuition was my dad. Let me go collect all his debts, you know, all the debts that people owed him. Mm. So you're at Crown College, you're going to Bible College, you're also working still for your dad's excavating, did I say that right? Excavating? (laughs) Um, Company, when did jujitsu come into the picture? That's good, man. That's right in. So jujitsu, okay, in 1993, the UFC come out. So UFC come out to showcase jujitsu. That's why the Gracie's created the UFC was to showcase jujitsu. You know, after the first year they started adding rules, so they sold it. Okay. So, but they wanted to show the world how powerful jujitsu was. Well, I saw it the very first time. And so I've always loved it since then, but nobody knew it around here. Right. So, but so in 2001, when I started Bible college, somehow, I don't know if I went looking for it or something, but I found a jujitsu school. And I went to, to take some lessons and, and it just didn't work out at the time. You had to put a lot of time in it. And I was in, I was just starting college too. So in 2001 and 2002 was both times I tried jujitsu and I couldn't make it work. I I had to get through Bible college first. So Mm -hmm. that's how I did it. So the instructor that I had at the time, the highest rank there was a purple belt and his name was John Hosford. And my core hand was like a blue belt. That was my other instructor. And even though these guys now look back at it, you know, they were just blue and purple, but they were awesome. You know, Mm. yeah. you know, there's, I could hear, I was 28 year old in shape. I had muscle, I, I, you know, and they, in 30 seconds, I was about to throw up in a garbage (laughs) can. Gosh. And that's, that's why I'm curious too. I mean, Earl, I mean, growing up, obviously fighting and, and knowing the methods and techniques techniques and stuff. I'm curious when you got into that studio, did you feel like that translated or was it, totally did you feel new. like, it, yeah, it was a yeah. totally different experience. It was different. It was different. What made me tough was if, if you accidentally get hit in the face or scratched or something, you know, I get hit in the nose a few times in the eye and it didn't bother me. You know, that mm-hmm. stuff don't, it didn't bother me. If I knew what I knew now, I'd go back to me as a kid or my cousins and they wouldn't stand a chance. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so naturally, I mean, you get, you get into jujitsu, right. And, and that's of yeah. course how we uh, came in contact with you. You're obviously doing some, some really cool things through social media in the digital world. Curious about like 
How did that transition occur? You know, you're in Bible college, you go to the, this jujitsu, uh, you know, class, like how did you find your love for it and, and decide to like do this? Pursue it. Yeah. Yourself. Yeah. Right. Right. So I thought, well, you know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to finish school at first. So I finished, uh, so, so it took me all the way to 2007 to finish my college. Mm-hmm. But I did take a year off in there, but so because I, I got married, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay. And but what happened is at that time I was big in softball. Okay, so for since I was 15 year old, I've been playing softball, and that's very competitive to my brother and to my best friends. So so I played softball forever. And so when me and Raquel got married in 03, let's see, was it, I think it's 05, 06, she gets a job for the 700 Club. I can mm-hmm. produce it for them. And it's in Nashville, the, the, the satellite studio or the second studio. So we, we moved to Nashville. Well, nobody couldn't believe, they could not believe that I would move away from my dad. Everybody's like, you're not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere. <laughs> and so, so we, we move and the whole time we're down in Nashville for that, for one year, I'm traveling back and forth to, to finish up my school. I'm driving, commuting. So I'm living in Knoxville, my wife and my little two-year-old or one, she's one or two at the time, Genesis, they're living in Nashville. So I'm teaching Bible at a Christian school. I'm coaching the girls fast pitch team, doing the drama down there with them. I mean, this is just an awesome place. It's great. But my dad, he calls me every day or every other day, begging me to come home, you know? Hmm. And, uh, my dad talks me into coming back. We come back, but I knew when I came back, I was coming back to pastor. I wasn't coming back to just do excavating. Mm-hmm. And uh, so when I got back, I told Raquel, I said, you know, I'm not playing ball anymore. I don't want it. By this time, I'm in my 30s, probably early 30s. And I said, I'm finding a jujitsu school again. I said, I'm, mm. I'm going to take it. And, and what happened is, is, I guess that was my attitude for it, but here's what really pushed me. So when we came back, okay, every time I'd see my friend, we always had that competitive spirit, you know, and it always been in fighting too, because we thought, you know, who can know the most by watching, I guess, the UFC videos, you know, we just, we knew that. But anyway, when I came back, my dad, he had another guy that would work for him. Sometimes me and him would be the only one there at the house. And this, this guy was a lot younger than me and he would always want to fight with me. You know, it seemed mm-hmm. like all my dad's workers wanted to fight with me for some reason. <laughs> and so me and this guy would, that's what we would do. We would just go at it, not fist fight, but we would wrestle. And then I would go back home and I'd try to watch YouTube videos or something on how, what, what could I do to him? Cause I knew tomorrow we're going to, we're going to be wrestling. We're going to be yeah. going at it in, in, in the middle of a brand new home in the living room on carpet, you know, <laughs> and the, <laughs> with nobody, you know, nobody there, dad that know we're, that's all we're doing all day is just wrestling each other and, and trying to, trying to hurt and rip your neck off and stuff like that. And I said, you know what, I'm, I'm taking jujitsu. I'm finding it. And so I found my, school. Of it. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I finally just pushed me so far. So I found the guys that I started with back in 2000 and 2001, he'd started another school. Uh, Mike Horan did. And I was like his second or third student. And man, that's it. That's what started it. I started with him and I never stopped since. And that was at the end of 08, I think it was. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So I guess, and that, and that obviously caused you, I know last time we hung out, you, you said you, 
you opened up your first uh, first gym and and obviously you know from that from that experience you you began to kind of explore what it would be like to actually have uh you know obviously a digital presence right having your jujitsu in a place where it exists in the digital world talk to us about like that experience how did you how did you begin you know start posting on on social media yeah about okay so at this time I'm taking jujitsu up to I was about a blue belt or so and I was still taking it from the same guys, but I decided to open up my own place, you know, jitsu videos, try to learn more. So there was a there were a lot of stuff out there to mm-hmm. to watch. So for me, I, I didn't want to put my own stuff. Remember, I told you I got made fun of too much. And so I didn't want to put anything out there because I was like, man, somebody's gonna make fun, they're gonna say something. So that shut me down a lot because I just didn't want I just didn't want the negativity, you know. Yeah. yeah. But I would watch all these videos and some of them were so boring that i'd say man if i if i did it this way i'd, I'd make it quick and you know i had in my mind the way i want to do it if i ever got a chance but i was like there's no way i wouldn't i just wouldn't do it you know? <laughs> what was the first video that you ended up posting what, what did you post well what happened is is tiktok come out you know yeah yeah uh, so tiktok was was like the training wheels for people on you know wanting to get in the videos and so at first we're making goofy videos like, you know, you, you, you do the song and then when it hits your clothes change, you know, but yeah, just yeah, like exactly. That. Yeah. Yeah. So I made a couple of those and I thought, man, you know what? And I, and I looked all over TikTok and I was, I never saw any, any, anything like self-defense. I said, and we were in lockdown. It's 2020. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to stay in your house, all that stuff. I couldn't train. I had to shut down my school at the time. That's all I had was my daughter. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to put, I'm just going to put a video out of her choking me up. It's just a simple video. So I knew the way that I kind of wanted to do it. And and that's the way I did it. And so the next day, all the comments, it kind of blew up, Yeah, you know, but the comments were like, yeah, anybody can do that to to a candy girl or something like that, you know? Mm. So then it gave me the idea, well, I'll let her do it to me. Mm. Like me do it to her. I'm, I'm sorry. She did it to me and, and it was easy to get out of. So I say, well, I'm going to turn around and me do it to her and show mm-hmm. the effectiveness of it. And so that's what I did. So the next video, I think is the very next one. I was choking her. She did the move. Yeah. And, 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 and here it is to do these moves. You really don't know exactly how a fight's going to go, you know, but you try yeah. to make it as real as possible as, you know, I, so I tried to really, choker and a couple times you know i, I really choked her but she almost went out oh gosh and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like that got too serious <laughs> i made it as real as i could now with me choking her is going to be a little different than a drunk uncle or abusive husband somebody who's a, an untrained person mm-hmm. i'm not training the mma fighters here i'm training people to defend themselves in the normality of society you know i'm just trying mm-hmm. to just to get them ready that this could happen this is kind of what you need to do. And yeah. that, that's my mindset on it. So, which, which uh, I know last time we hung out, Earl, I mean, that, that yeah. really resonated with us. I mean, you're obviously, you're getting millions of views on your videos. I mean, you've been doing that for, for quite some time and you're getting attention from these videos. A lot of people are, are witnessing. It. And I think it's so cool that your attitude is, is, is around just simply, you want to help. You want to make sure, get, provide a way through these videos to help those people that might be in these situations so that they can actually you know, fend for themselves and, and actually feel like they're protected. I think that's such a cool, mm-hmm. you know, 
attitude that you have towards your your Instagram and, and your TikTok, just that passion to really want to help people. And I remember last time we talked that you mentioned that there have been women from other countries that mm-hmm. have messaged you and thanked you. Okay. Like yeah. that impact is so amazing. Yeah. I, I remember the country Turkey. She said she was in Turkey. I think it was a few of them. And they said, you know, women are really abused over here. I remember that message and, and said, you give us some kind of hope, you know, and wow. uh, I know on, on social media, you have a million over a million followers on TikTok and several hundred thousand on, on Instagram. Like you're getting a ton of attention and, and yeah. obviously your, your goal and your mission behind this is very positive. It's very uplifting. It's very helpful, but there's obviously people that are on the internet that they just sit back and they just scold you from it, you know? And, and I know, cause I just know you Earl. your, your heart's so good. Right. And those comments can be so, so hateful. So I am curious cause there's obviously listeners out there that are trying to create their own content and they're afraid of, of stepping into this digital world for, for that reason. Can you kind of share some advice maybe for that listener who, who is afraid to step into content creation into this digital world and, and kind of what you've learned from how to handle those negative you know, right. comments. Well, for one, my wife helps me a lot. So she'll reassure me on some things, you know, and that, and that's one thing you need is you need somebody there kind of reassuring you on some things that you, well, maybe this is, maybe I shouldn't, they need to reassure who you are, what you know, you know, she reassures me all the time, even the level that I'm at. So that's, that's one thing. Another thing is, is just to know this, that no matter what you do, you're going to get pushed back, you know, mm-hmm. you're going against the grain mm-hmm. and it's so easy to do nothing. It's so mm-hmm. easy to do nothing. And so the thing is, is if you, if, if you're passionate about it, and that's why I love y'all's name there, but if you're, if you have this passion for it, you know, and what's so sad is, is so many people won't try. And I needed to take that first step, just like I was passionate to go to college, but I didn't think I could do it. Yeah. And I have somebody there to push me. And so with the videos too, it's, it's just the, the positive stuff that comes out of it. Just think on that. Think of the positive. Yeah. If you just help that one person or that second person. Recently, last year, a guy come to me on, on my messages in a wheelchair. And he said, do you have anything for a wheelchair? And I said, I do, buddy. I can do something for you. And so I created about three videos of me in a wheelchair of, of, of something that I thought maybe would happen in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, the negative stuff, the comments. Oh man, they were just unreal, you know? Yeah. That's Which is, lot. again, that's, that's, it's so unfortunate because here, here you are trying to help someone and I'm sure it did help him. I'm sure he probably yeah. was super appreciative and, you know, exactly. and yeah, here, here you're bringing something so, so good. And, Ultimately, Earl, as, as you know, like that's our mission here at Passion or Brand is, is for people to recognize like, what if Earl decided mm-hmm. years ago, you know, three, three years ago, two, three years ago, hey, I'm, I'm afraid of the digital world. I'm afraid of what people might say. And therefore, I'm not going to do this, right? L- like truly, Earl, and I know you're humble, you're a humble man, and you would never <laughs> probably think this way, but I'm going to speak it is is you've reached millions of people in a very positive atmosphere, right? And a po- positive attitude. And a, a lot of people have really, really appreciated what you've brought to this world. And if that fear of what other people think kept you from doing what you're doing now, think about all the people that would have mm-hmm. lost out on something so 
positive and so beneficial that you bring to this world. And so that's the ultimate belief here is like, we all have a passion. We all have a purpose. We all have a reason why we're mm-hmm. here and what an opportunity to reach the massive masses with a, a positive, you know, pass, passion like you have. And so I yeah. think that's, that's so cool just to hear you're a real person, right. And you experience real hate a lot of time and, yeah. and, and yet you continue to just recognize that this is your passion and you know what you're bringing to this world and you you're continue, sticking with it. you're sticking with yeah. it. And so I think that's, that's really cool. And, and I'm curious, Earl, we always ask this question to our guests um, on the show. And this is the, the, the theme for, for season two here is, is, can it still be done today? Can someone still pursue their passion in this digital world? Do you think that can still be done today? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Think about this. When, when my, when my dad was growing up, Okay, what did they have to do? They had to get out there and work. So he would always say, Hey, you need to get an education. That's the only way you want to make it in this world. You need to get an education. That's that's what I used to hear. And so they they had one or two ways that they figured this is how you need to make money. Think about now what we're doing now at this time. Now think about our little kids, our two-year-olds, three-year-olds, four-year-olds. They can't make videos like that. Mm-hmm. But there's going to be something when they get that age that they're going to be able to do. So mm-hmm. right now is your time that you should be able to that that you can shine. It's your time to shine, you know, yeah. it's yeah. your time to make it. So it doesn't matter. You, you It's out there. You have mm-hmm. to find it. There's so much influence. There's so much money. There's so much uh, work. There's so much of everything out there. You have to go forward with it. You can't, like I say, the easiest thing to do is just lay on that couch. The easiest yeah. thing to do is just do nothing. Times change, things change. There are going to be new ways and, to, to make it in the world. And, uh, and obviously, yeah. and we've it, had listeners, Earl too. I mean, they ask, they hear, hear people on the show like you, they're like, how cool for Earl to get to pursue his passion. And he's doing so well, good for him, you know, but I can't do that because I can't make a, you know, I can't make a living off of my passion, right? What are some different ways that you've learned now being in this for a couple of years that you can actually monetize what you're doing? Like, what are, what are some ways that, that you've been able to do that? The partnerships with people. Mm-hmm. Uh, collabing with people, you know, or collabing with companies, yeah. uh, stuff like that. So find what, uh, find what fits your brand, you know, find what, whatever you do. Like, obviously I can't go in. Uh, I, well, I guess you could Hulk Hogan went into Tubbleware or something, right? So he had the blender <laughs> like that. He's trying to promote, but anyway, but you know, like, like she's birdie is a uh, little uh, device that, women carry and they've reached out to me now a couple years ago and so i'm partnered up with them and you find your brand you find who collabs with you and that's kind of way it is you find a you know that's i I don't i don't know any more than that yeah Uh, yeah which is of course like that's that's the overarching i mean we we hear obviously there's there's we've heard many ways of in terms of digital assets or even i mean even your studio i'm sure you know i'm I'm sure you're still getting you know publicity through you can if you have a store if you have something you're still you know selling a physical product or service like what an opportunity from a marketing perspective to Mm -hmm. you know to advertise there i tell you what's been pretty good real good is is facebook and Mm. Instagram, they pay now. They pay for your videos. Yeah, so if you, yeah. You get it if you get up to a certain level, they'll start paying you for that. And so that's really helped out. And that pushes you to do more. I mean I it's like that, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it does because I, I have uh I mean it see that's what I'm saying. My dad used to have rental houses to bring in income. Mm-hmm. I can make 
what he made on rental houses on video. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's just a different, it's, it's, it's the digital real estate, right? He had physical yeah. real estate. Now you have digital real estate. And, and the reality yeah. is people need to recognize like, this is the future, like real estate as it is, it's pursuing, right? It's, it's, it's obviously physical because we got to live in this physical environment, but this digital world that we're progressing in, it's real estate, it's passive income that you can make through yes. your passion, right? Through just simply loving jujitsu, through yeah. simply just wanting to help people here, you're able to, to make a livelihood from it. And I think, uh, yeah, I just, I think that's, that's super cool. And, and I appreciate, appreciate you sharing. And something you said last time, I wrote it down and put it in quotes because I was like, man, that's really good. But you said, if you can do what you love and put it out there and make money, nothing else is better in the world. And that's like what we're solely after here, you know, with passion to bring in and talking to people and connecting with other content creators is, yeah, just being yourself and tapping into what you love and then just being confident in that, sharing it and the possibilities are so endless <laughs> yeah you summed it up well in that in that statement Earl. yeah i have a guy that he does jujitsu too that i think is a year and a half ago or so he he's like you know what can i do to to get my videos going and i said well what kind of work do you do okay so yeah and he said i do like electric work i said then show people how to do electric work mm, good show them that and I said, I'm telling you that he said, but I really want to show the jujitsu part. And I said, well, build it up, build with yeah. both of them, you know, yeah. but, but people want to see people, what they do, you know, yeah. what they yeah. do. Like. Yep, uh, exactly. Obviously we, we follow along uh, with Earl and, and Earl, you, your content is super, super cool. I mean, just the way you spin jujitsu just in general, like you, you have a different spin, you have a different element. It's, it's short and captivating. Like you do a really good job and, and I can't, can't uh, recommend those that are listening today. If, if you're hearing Earl's story, um, definitely check him out on, on social media. But, but curious, Earl, if you can kind of share, how can people connect with you today? What's the best way for them to follow along and connect with you? I think Instagram right now is just, if you could find me on Instagram, I put a lot of videos on there. I'm hoping to put some more lengthier videos on my YouTube channel. Well, you know, that I get so busy doing other things, it's kind of hard to, you know, because the YouTube takes, you know, a little bit more time. The videos are longer, so you have to set up a little bit different, you know, stuff mm-hmm. like that. But I'd say Instagram is probably the best way to, and Facebook, you know, my, even my Facebook jujitsu page is just uh, really taken off. Yeah. Since, since reels come along and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And definitely. Uh, definitely give, give, uh, give Earl a follow at uh, Alpha Omega Jitsu is his handle. And, and, like I said, Earl, we, we do appreciate you spending some time with us, sharing your story. I mean, truly, I wish, wish we honestly had another hour because I know there's a, a lot, uh, a lot more to your story that, that can be unpacked and the way you're able to teach people through, through this uh, digital world and, and obviously just your heart and your care for, for people. We just, I honestly feel Logan and I both feel blessed to be able to know you and, and to yeah. be able to get to talk to you today. So we appreciate, appreciate your time and for being on our show. Yes. Loved it, man. Love you guys. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoyed it, feel free to leave a review or comment letting us know what you enjoyed most. Be sure to click that follow button to not miss out on a new inspiring story each week. For more inspiration, feel free to follow us on Instagram at passion to brand or check out our blog at passion Until next time. Peace. <laughs>